Yeah, so I'm icing my back right now because I got it I... cut open. Yeah, you got you got a, a prescription stab wound, huh? Yep, got yep got a prescription stab wound. Um, my mom was disappointed because it... it doesn't. She she's like, oh, dang it, it's too clean. You couldn't, you can't claim that you got stabbed. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was pretty pretty bummed out about it. But she was she was telling me giving me advice for like what types of stitches to ask for. Like, okay, can you make it look like a like a shark bite? No, it's too small <laughs> for that. Okay. Um what about just like a normal stab wound? So, that's where my mom's priorities are. That's the No, the... Un- unfortunately, you had to get the good doctor who's like yeah. great with a scalpel. Yeah. The good doctor with his Icy blue eyes. What's what's the actor's name? Um, I have no idea. I've never watched that show. I haven't either. I just I enjoy looking at the the cover for it because it's all like black and white, and then it's like his eyes are really blue, or it could just Ooh. be normal color, and his eyes are just that blue. Picture, if you will, a world in turmoil, in fear of the rise of a fascist superpower. A country teetering on the brink of involvement, unaware that it lies in the twilight of its indecision. An artist standing astride a division in his company, looking neither left or right, but ever backwards as he moves forwards. And a plan, written by a room of men and women who fear an expansion of a caustic ideology to southern neighbors still uninvolved on the stage of this global nightmare. This is the world in which Walt Disney sought, nay was commissioned to create Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros. Would this extension of goodwill be enough in time or too little too late? How does the noble and stoic cowboy compare to the solemn and honest gaucho? What is the purpose of a series of birds that are unbound by typical laws of animated logic. And more importantly, we ask the question, have you been to Bahia? Hi, my name is Nate Conrad. This is my friend, Abby Rose. Together, we prepare to punch our passports on a pilgrimage through a perilous passage where we immerse ourselves intensely and intentionally in international intrigue as we begin socializing, fraternizing, familiarizing, and as always, dissecting the mouse. Speaking of your favorite movie, uh, do you think it was either The Three Caballeros or Saludos Amigos? In just like in general or like in our lineup? I mean, just in general. Um, I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, I probably feel that. Not. I mean, like they were okay. Don't get me wrong. They were good. Especially Saludos Amigos. I like Saludos Amigos more than Three Caballeros. But like hmm. in the vast in the vastness of the universe of film, I don't think that they 
rank up. I feel that. I definitely yeah. feel that. Yeah. What um, about what about you? I uh personally I just by the narrowest margin would say that Three Caballeros pulls ahead of Saludos Amigos. Okay. Interesting. I kind of have mm-hmm. the opposite opinion. Right? Hey, remember when I was so worried that we were going to have, like, the same lists? I remember that. I, I was, too. Like, the the second, I was listening to the second episode. What was episode. that, episode two? Yeah. I was like, I was like you know, not to not to be that, that person. I took, like, ten minutes. Like, not to be the person that's, like, bandwagon with everybody else. Like, shut up. <laughs> Just say <laughs> your thing. But, yeah, now our lineups are probably way different. Especially, they're going to be now, because we have two more movies to add. Right, right. And um uh, we should probably uh you know just just for ever just for the benefit of the three people listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um we decided that since uh Three Caballeros and Saludos Amigos uh Saludos, Saludos. Saludos. It's Saludos. 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 Yes. Okay. You I'm sorry. I was raised in New England. Yeah, you know we uh, watched the Tree Caballeros and uh, Saludos Amigos. Please don't. You're, you know I I I, I saw you... them all the way in Boston from the park. You're reopening my back wound as you speak. <laughs> um. So, so we watched two at once this time. Yes. Um. Also because they were short. Uh, also because we're getting into the uh, package film era and we want to get out of the package film era as quickly as possible. Yeah, I'm excited because so, yeah, this this episode we're doing um, the three caballeros and saludos amigos. And then the next our next episode after this one is going to be um, fine, fine and fancy free and fun then and fancy free. fun and fancy free <laughs> and then uh, make my music. So it's going to yes. be I which I both of those at least part of of both of them i really really loved as a kid so i'm excited for you to see that though i don't know maybe it'll have a fantasia effect where i remember it as being really awesome and then we watch it and then it's like oh no so well but, that's why know. we're taking notes now this is true I mean, instead of saying oh no we can say oh note Oh, aren't you funny? I'm actually not. That's why. Aren't I you? Aren't said you abs? That. No, no. If you weren't funny, you wouldn't have said something so hilarious, side-splittingly. I can tell you are just in stitches right now. No, you're in. Actually, you're not. I'm in not stitches. in stitches. They used <laughs> the. He used liquid. He used like skin glue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's that's fun. It's, we almost we almost had a good little joke there. It's fun. I, I know. It's fun and fancy free. Well, I guess they wouldn't have known. I could have just said, Oh yeah, I'm in stitches. Ha ha you know. It's Yeah, but um these We have some notes made. Yes, we have some some a few, one or two notes for these movies. And since we have two whole entire movies, uh one would probably assume that there's two whole entire movies worth of characters right Mm, perhaps not perhaps not no because they they kind of carry over like the some of the characters from saludos amigos carry over to three caballeros so you you did characters right i did do characters would you like me to do would you like me to do source material first though would you like to do source material first? I will do source material first. That's okay. That's fair. Okay. So I apologize ahead of time. My notes are kind of a mess for this. So 
like Fantasia, uh, Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros are both sort of these these clips. Um, not clips, but I guess like you call them shorts. And so it's not one entire narrative. It's sort of these little snippets of different bits of Latin American culture, because that was the idea for both of these movies. Basically, okay, so let's let's take a trip down memory lane to World War II. Um, now, oh boy. <laughs> here we go. We're friends. starting off light. We're starting off just with a little little light, you know, afternoon tea conversation. So um, our, uh, our aversion to political matters is really being tested in this episode because the main reason why they even did these two films in the first place was directly motivated by the good neighbor policy, even though Disney claimed it was to give his animators inspiration. Um, now, just a quick definition for those who don't know the good neighbor policy. It was a government policy that was pushed by FDR, that's uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, in the third- Frankie! in the 30s in America or in North America to encourage us to basically get more chummy with our friends in Latin America to encourage mutual aid and defense, specifically to combat Nazi influence. Um, and side note, I'm sure there are listeners who will be like, well, technically it's, you know what? No, no, just save your Twitter threads for somebody who actually cares enough to read them. That's basically yeah, like what the good neighbor policy was. And I hate to, I hate to generalize here, but um, if you're a straight white male in high school or college and we get something wrong about World War II history, you don't have to correct us and let us know how much you've been studying it. Yes, that's because that's not going to be a, an us thing. That's going to be that's going to reflect something about your life. World War II happened. We know what happened yes. in World War II. Yes, we all know what happened. A lot of us know what happened, you know. I don't know if some Gen Zers are, are listening. Um, if you don't know what happened in World War II, like, you need to listen to, like, some podcasts on World War II. Yeah, this that's a, a good podcast. point. That's yeah, this point. is a podcast on, on Disney movies. Yeah. And while World War II sort of, like, drifts around uh, the uh, production and the source material, we don't necessarily need to dwell on it. I suppose yeah. I, it's it's good to say because the subject matter of this of of both movies are isn't like World War Two focused, right? It's 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 World War Two motivated. Yeah, which a lot of media around this time was World War Two motivated. Okay, so oh yeah, I can't wait to talk that, about the propaganda machine. Yes, but now that that's out of the way, we'll we'll push that out of the way. Can I push that out of the way for right now? Push it out of the way. I'm gonna push it out of the way. So, um, yeah. So that's good neighbor policy, um. Influenced both of them. Saludos Amigos came first, followed by the Three Caballeros two years later. Um, and the idea was Disney is going to go down, and you're, you're going to get into this more, Nate, I'm sure, but Disney is going to go down to different Latin American countries and um, with a team of animators and producers, and they're going to, you know, go from place to place, see you know, different cultures in Latin America and, um, you know, animate them and and kind of do little fun segments and do fun little skits about them. Like, okay, so like Fantasia, Saludos is also made up of a bunch of smaller sections that don't thematically connect. But unlike Fantasia, Saludos doesn't really have any source narrative. It's just an animated tour of certain parts of Latin America. I, 
honestly couldn't even find any stories of, quote, old papagayo, end quote, which the narrator says was the folktale inspiration for Joe Carioca. Um, Brazilian listeners, um, if you are listening to this and you know, like, some, like, word of mouth stories of old papagayo, please send them to us on our Tumblr. Uh, we would love to hear them. Please, like... Like legit though, please, because I was tr- I was googling and googling, and I found actually a bunch of really cool Brazilian like folklore and stuff like that, but I could not find a single thing about old papagaio. Literally, Does papagaio mean parrot. Yes. Were there folk tales about parrots? No. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. That's what I'm saying. Like I couldn't find anything, anything. <laughs> so- so I'm like, I, I don't know if it's just like my my internet search skills are not very good or what. So I literally could. That's what I'm saying. Like, I couldn't find any freaking source material for this. Like, legit. So, so I just. It's a, it's a case of it was the 40s, man. And you can just say things. You could just say things, I guess. It was very yeah. like, very like uh, ethnographic where it's like, oh, these, the tales of the, the old folk tales of old papagayo and da 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 da. Like. I wonder if it's maybe just like they asked some like like Brazilian correspondents and they were like, oh, yeah, there's the parrot over there. Well, what's what's the deal with him? Is, is that like, you know, yeah, we, we like we like parrots here. They're, they're pretty cool. Oh, is that like a historical thing? I mean, like there have always been parrots. There have always been parrots. <laughs> so maybe they misinterpreted. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. And it could be just something that they made up that it suited their narrative. Kind of like um, I know that. Disney's nature documentaries are wholeheartedly responsible for the misconception of lemmings running off a cliff. Really? Oh, yeah. That's apparently not a thing that lemmings do naturally. They were just, like, running off the cliffs. I think I I don't want to say that Disney was herding them off the cliffs for footage. What? I I mean Disney the company, not Disney the man. I don't (laughs) mean that Disney Disney was on set with like a riding crop going like, yeah, get off that cliff. Wally himself was like, you know. Make me money. (laughs) Make mine money. (laughs) (laughs) Can that that be the next uh, title, the title of our next episode? Make mine money. That's the next episode because they are uh, cash strapped right now. All right, so the Brazil segment, so the, the Brazil segment is like the last segment in Saludos Amigos, and it starts with Aquarela do Brasil, a song composed by Ari Barroso and sung by Aloisio Oliveira. The song is animated as an artist's hand and paintbrush literally creating the Amazon rainforest through watercolors. His brush strokes and movements match with the beat of the song. There's really no way to describe it, but I highly recommend you find it on YouTube. So my this this part at the end with Brazil is my absolute favorite part, hands down, of literally anything we've watched in this episode, including the lead into Bahia, though that one is a close second. Um, okay, so the combination of the smooth and syncopated samba beat, the amazingly tender vocals of Oluicio Oliveira, and the obsessively gorgeous animation and colors, I just, I'm absolutely spellbound. At the risk of sounding cheesy, this is truly a love letter to Brazil, because there's no way to watch this and not fall in love with what you see. It's yeah. just, ugh, just like gorgeous and fluid and magical. It's like a lost Fantasia segment. So... Huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, so despite friction within the project, just 
Saludos Amigos as a whole, like how F. Molina Campos was unhappy with how little they consulted him on the Gaucho segment, uh, critics pretty much agree that this project was actually pretty genuine in its treatment and depiction of Latin American cultures. This is especially true in two places. First, in the Lake Titicaca segment, Donald Duck is portrayed as an oblivious tourist, repeatedly making a fool out of himself as he navigates the new culture as an ignorant foreigner. Um, second, in the creation of Joe Carioca as a laid-back, intelligent socialite who's constantly shown to be superior to Donald Duck, but friendly and eager to show him the town. These two depictions break down the commonly held stereotype that people from Latin America were essentially uncultured and unintelligent. Okay, one last really brief blurb. Jose Carioca is seen by scholarly critics as a, quote, colonialist monument, end quote, created by Disney in their portrayal of Brazil. Because though he is portrayed as being native to Brazil, he was created by a North American studio for a project that aimed to secure political connection in Latin America. Disney eventually sold the character rights to Brazilian media, who reshaped the image and made him more authentically Brazilian. Then, when he was used again in later Disney media, it was this newer version, which I thought was kind of cool because it's almost like it was created, you know, as this sort of colonialist monument, but then almost transferred over to Brazil to become a little bit more genuine. And then that genuine article was, you know, hybridized again into the modern world in other North American. Um, yeah, I guess overall, getting into the political aspects of these movies isn't very fun for me, purely because it's very much like a he said, she said narrative. But what I've said here about Campos's gauchos and the development of Carioca is a basic rundown of those things simmering behind the scenes. You know, so the source, the source material is basically just like, these are the countries. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And like, and I, it, and I didn't want to get too much into, like, you know, um, like in Peru, like the Lake Titicaca, um, that sort of culture, because I knew that then we would get into that later with later films. And so I did. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like with Fantasia, where it's like I didn't want to get into Greek mythology too much or Scottish mythology too much because it's like other movies in the future are going to cover it. And it, that wasn't even really a huge part of it. Okay, so now that is kind of what I have for source material. It's a little bit piddly, but um, I didn't really... It, there just wasn't a lot of, like, inspiration here. Because I watched it, and I really liked, you know, both films. But I just felt like there wasn't much that came before. So now I guess I'll move on to characters? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, instead of doing... 10 characters per film um we decided to do 15 characters just overall like from the two films so these are as chronological as i can get them there might be some that were not quite you know one Correct. Be before the other one before the other or whatever but um and so, uh, honestly, for a lot of these, I had to kind of reach. <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, let kinda me like even... like the mouse. Let me even see if I got 15. Yeah, I only got 13. Oops. Well, it's, you know, it is what it is. Hey, sirrah, sirrah. Um, mm. I, I went into this thinking, like, there would be an overabundance of characters. 
And it it wound up like it's just a fair amount. I mean, there are, but like you have to break into like unenthused penguin number five, or like, mm. or like Pedro's parents, <laughs> you know, like, or like the llama from the Peru and Bolivia segment, just like random mm. things. Um, okay, so let's get into the characters. I'm actually more excited about these descriptions than I was about the source material. So maybe this will maybe this will pep us up and get us on track. Revive the spirits. <laughs> we're so we're so like blase about this whole thing. I promise we did enjoy watching this. I, I No, yeah. We, <laughs> it makes once it seem we, where you say you go. Bear with us once we get to our opinion, I'm certain that we're both going to explode with them. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, I promise, like, watching both of these, like, I I enjoyed watching these. It's just whenever it comes to writing them up, some for some reason, it was just so hard to do research on these things. Um, okay, so let's get into the characters. So first we have Donald Duck, Disney legend and Mickey Mouse's best friend. Also quintessential ignorant North American tourist. Takes a trip to Latin America, makes a fool of himself, and terrorizes the female population with his insatiable hunger for human women. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> uh, Hold <Pedro>. on. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, that's that's not. You haven't seen the last of that joke. <laughs> you definitely haven't seen the last of that joke. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so next we have Pedro. Baby male plane, and by the way, it's M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E. I should have specified that before. I'm not saying he's like a baby a baby boy plane. He is, I guess, a boy. He's male-coded, but he's a like a plane who delivers mail. It's a bad so, pun. Yeah, bad pun. The baby male plane who makes the flight over the Chilean Andes to pick up mail from Mendoza. It causes me endless frustration that his little mail bag is just hooked on his wing with nothing to keep it from falling off. Like, that was bothering me the entire segment. It's um, dumb. Honestly, who am I kidding, though? I just hate everything in this short. Like, from the first moment that you mentioned it, I was so glad that we were both on the same page with how much we don't like the Pedro the Plane story. I just, it's just so, it's it's so much of a, we have to have something for Chile. <laughs> We gotta do something. We gotta do something for Chile. Plane. Yeah, we gotta be. We gotta have something. But you we know, can't go down no, there because no place else has mail. Yeah, so mail was invented in Chile. Yeah, I guess it's like famous about like the Andes and and anyway, whatever. So um, also, there's troubling implications in the schoolhouse when it shows a plane skeleton and it's all just bones in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's all bones uh it's a skeleton in the shape of a plane it's quite troubling think about it. it's like one of those spirit halloween decorations <laughs> yeah. octopus skeleton exactly it's like come on man cephalopod ain't got no bones um okay so next i that's have... a shirt right there Cephal... cephalopod ain't got no bones cephalopod ain't got no bones oh man <laughs> yep that's our next merch uh first is crows of birds second is cephalopod ain't got no bones okay um <laughs> next i have aconcagua aconcagua giant scary mountain with a face on it he's like monstro the terrible whale but geological version 
He's not nearly as terrifying to me as Monstro the Terrible Whale. Yeah, he's he's kind of he's kind of he gives off the same vibes though, like in this animation. Um, yeah. He's he's also what I imagine Night on Bald Mountain would be if Chernabog really was just the mountain. Just oh, okay. he just kind of looks like okay. the mountain if he didn't turn into like a like the devil himself. <laughs> um, it's like if Night on Bald Mountain was an evil whale. Yeah. No, but no. Like okay. Whatever. I know. I'm, um, I'm just messing with you. A equals B, B equals C, A equals C. No. Um, oh, also, he sort of looks like my uncle. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> next we have the narrator. He's a sassy pun master who lives to torment Donald and Goofy as they stumble their way through unfamiliar scenery. I don't know who he is or where he came from, but he's the only thing holding me together while watching this until I get to the Brazil segment. Yeah. Yeah, he's got me. Um, all right, so next we have Jose Carioca. And yes. I, for the longest time, I kept saying Jose, but I guess the Portuguese like pronunciation is Jose. I don't know. Um, but he's also known as Joe, and that's what I'm going to call him. Hmm. Uh, inspired by one of Brazil's most iconic tropical birds, this dapper bow-tie-wearing green parrot is a carioca, a name for people from Rio de Janeiro. A musician at heart, Joe seems able to summon up a diegetic samba melody at will and play along with it using random items as a guitar, a flute, an accordion, and many more. He's sentimental, carefree, and superior to his new friend Donald in virtually every way. Have you been to Bahia? Have you been to Bahia? Have you been to Bahia, my friend? Um, no. No. <laughs> uh, next, I have El Gaucho Goofy. Uh, oh, yeah. Before that, yeah, you know what I think is funny? Yes. It, well, okay, then I know I don't need to say it. No. Um, <laughs> it, never, it never occurred to me how unfair the name choices were for the original Mickey Mouse universe characters. I mean, like, all of them have normal names. There's, like, Mickey, there's Donald, Minnie, Daisy, Clarabelle, Horace, Pete, and then there's Goofy. Like, even Pluto has a semi-normal name, and he's literally Mickey's pet. You know, I... You know? Huh. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was going to say, before before I knew where you were going with this, I was going to say, like, I was thinking the other day about how I've never met a single person named Mickey in my life, and I don't think I ever would, but I think I'm even less likely to meet a Goofy. Yeah. yeah. I, I wow. know two Mickeys. Really? Yeah. Neither of them are mice. Multi-Mickey. Both of them are human. Yeah. Is one of them so fine, so fine they would blow your mind? Hey, Mickey? One of them is my is my best friend Sarah's dad, and like I I started to sing that song once, and she gave me this like haunted look, and so I immediately <laughs> stopped, and I never <laughs> sang it again. Um, but yeah, but yeah, no, like Goofy, like even because you said that that Art redesigned Goofy from uh, Dippy Dog, even like Dippy would be like a more normal name than Goofy. Like Dippy, hey, can, we, can we censor our rabbit? <laughs> can we just censor our? Yeah, I don't know. So, um, but anyway, so in this movie, Goofy is a North American cowboy who the narrator whisks away to spend a day in Argentina as a gaucho, um, much to the chagrin of F. Molina Campos, um, who I don't know if we've explained before. You might explain later, but F. Molina Campos was a, um, was is I don't know if he's still alive. Um, he he looked pretty aged in the uh, movie. He looked like maybe he was in his forties, forty fives. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, but anyway, he was a famous artist in Argentina who drew a lot uh, or painted, I guess, a lot of paintings of gauchos who they're basically kind of like, kind of like what you think of like a cowboy, really. Um, but they're um, from the like whole Ar- short Argentina. But the the whole short, it's I guess I guess he was he was just a little bit upset because instead of like creating a character who is like a gaucho, like they did with um, Joe Carioca, they took a North American character and literally had him wear the costume of this culture for the segment. You know what would have been, you know what would have been great. What an avestrus, which is the um in in the. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's like the, uh, the, the, it's the Argentinian ostrich that the gauchos typically round up with their, uh, bolas as, as we see in the thing. Yeah. So you have, you have an avestrus who is a gaucho. That would be interesting. That's a character. That would, that would, that would also have troubling implications because he would be hunting his own oh, people okay. for sport. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You you need to like you need to like anthropomorphize him somehow. Right. You need a you need a whole different. Uh. What if what if you have a horse uh, a horse who's a gaucho? He's his own pingo. That's see the but that's that also has troubling implications. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I mean, this is why they went with Goofy. They had these yeah. exact conversation and they were like, um. Yeah. It's they, easier to just do Goofy. They should have just made, like, another bird, though. Because, like, it has a whole bird theme. Because there's Poncho, who's a uh, rooster, and then whatever. What you know, We're getting too into this. Um, we're getting too deep. Yeah, getting too deep. Um, and I think I think uh, Compost was also just kind of upset because it seemed like they had decided what they were going to do for the clip before they even came to his ranch to, like, talk to him about it. And yeah, he's, just like, came there for the footage. Yeah, so he's kind of, like, the artistic expert on... Gotcha. So he just felt kind of left out. Anyway, whatever. Next, we have Pablo, who is a penguin who goes in search of warmer weather and also who is the uncredited inventor of the first jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> by by breaking physics, right? Yeah, by breaking physics. He bails himself out of his little bathtub and then sticks the shower head in there and invents the first jet ski. So uh, next we have the, the Ataquan, who is a chaotic neutral bird and being of utter chaos who possesses a Looney Tunes-esque ability to mess with reality along with the strong need to implement it. Um, I sort of get vibes off of him like the weird red things from Bowie's Labyrinth that throw their body parts around and make you feel like you're having a NyQuil-induced fever dream. From from what? The, the Bowie's Labyrinth. What is Labyrinth? Bowie's Labyrinth? Like uh, the mo- oh. the movie Labyrinth that has David Bowie in it and has all David Bowie's songs and is like the <laughs> creative love child of David Bowie. I never thought of it as Bowie's Labyrinth. I I thought you were talking about like a cartoon called the like like Eureka's no. Castle. No, <laughs> you've got Eureka's Castle and Bowie's Labyrinth. Well, because it always felt weird to me in my mind saying Labyrinth and then. Because lurking in the back of my mind was always Pan's Labyrinth, and I never wanted to say Pan's Labyrinth when I meant just oh. Labyrinth. Okay. So then okay. I would always I can f- say Bowie's Labyrinth. I can feel that. I, I'm, yeah. you know, I think I'm gonna call it Bowie because it, it really is Bowie's Labyrinth. Isn't yeah, it? he is Pan. He Literally might, he, he might have been Pan. <laughs> he might have been. Might have been Pan. Uh, I think he said he was by. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
ain't no liberty bump. Okay, anyway, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was the Arakuan. He's basically just there to shake stuff up and annoy everyone for no for absolutely no reason just that's just how he he exists to sow chaos and destruction in the world there's a reason but i i'll 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 save that okay uh now next we have the gauchito he is a little boy in the story told by an old gaucho about the time he discovered a flying donkey as a child that's a good character Mm mm-hmm Cheeky and adorable, and often fed up with how his surroundings change based on how his present self keeps misremembering things. That's like that was one of my favorite parts in this clip, where it's it's a, it's an old gaucho telling the story of what happened when he was little, and so since this is like a memory and he's telling the story, sometimes he'll misremember things and say, "Okay, well, I climbed to the top of the mountain," and so then it'll show the little boy climbing on the mountain, and then the gaucho will go, "Oh wait, no, I think it was a tree," and then the mountain will whisk out from under him and then be replaced with the tree, and the little boy will be caught just clinging so he doesn't fall off the tree, and then such wait, a no. good gag. Yeah, it's like, "Wait, no, I, I think it was a mountain," and then the tree will whisk away, and then the mountain will be so. It was it was really cute. Um, uh, we never get a resolution. The gauchito is just carried off, never to be seen again. <laughs> uh, I, I hope he's okay. I don't know. <laughs> the fact that he's narrating the he's story is good. He's telling us the story. Yeah, but he could be telling us the story from wherever the narrator is. Um, so next we have Yaya, a bodacious cookie seller in Bahia. Flirted with by an infatuated Joe... Physically chased after by a frothy-mouthed Donald, and then pursued <laughs> pursued by what seems like the entire male population of Bahia. She seems <laughs> she seems unfazed by the attention, but like, come on, guys, she's just trying to do her job. Just like, just buy a cookie and move on. <laughs> not, I, yeah, not a single person bought a cookie from them, did they? No, like nobody bought a cookie. They're just like playing. They're like playing percussive songs with a pencil on their teeth. She's like, dude, just buy a cookie. Yeah. And is it, she's played by Aurora Miranda, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know she was in the credits and it, it was like, hey, we got Carmen Miranda's sister. And I was like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember seeing that. Um, So next we have Panchito Pistoles. Panchi- yes. Panchito Pistoles. The name really does half the description for me. Pancho adorned, sombrero-wearing, and pistol-packing rooster who arrives straight from Mexico, well, really from Burbank, but let's pretend otherwise, uh, straight from Mexico (laughs) to wish Donald a happy birthday with a grite and the excessive discharge of a firearm. Like Joe, Panchito is more than happy to show Donald his home country and takes him to the beach, where Donald rapidly lusts after girls, the desert, where he rapidly lusts after girls, and finally, Mexico City, where he rapidly lusts after inanimate objects onto which the head of a singing girl has been magically transposed. Yeah, what the... (laughs) So, uh, next we have Sexy Mexican Flower Lady, question mark, Um, appears in a fever dream sequence at the center of a flower... I think also a star and possibly other things. I don't know. This part was really weird. Yeah, that's I I I, I looked it up and they call these kind of things the Disney acid trip. Cool. But acid wasn't invented until the 60s. So like somebody was doing something. Well, I was telling I was saying to you the other day, I was like, you know, it's the 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 uh, Disney peyote vision quest. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, Speaking of desert peyote fueled vision quests um 
Next we have, or I guess last, we have Cactus Lady, question mark. Uh, oh, yes. Adorably outfitted woman in the desert who is chased after by Donald. Gasp, what a rare breach of character. Um, yet always seems to slip away from him, helped by some magical dancing cacti. That's all Absolutely I that's amazing. all I have for her. Um but yeah, that's all of the characters that I could muster up and as we said before, there are more characters, but it's really just like Pablo's yeah, like, Pablo's friends or the I, I don't know, the one the, of the several birds that are described. Yeah. yeah. One of the named horses who go against the gauchito in the race like it's not anything one of those horses i remember that i remember i remember this so clearly one of those horses was named pingo and i was like isn't that just the word for horse yeah there's there were other names actually i I don't know if they were were they horses or were they i don't remember i really don't remember um it is what it is and those are those are the characters and those were those are the characters, and that's all I love those I'm going to say. Now it is time for me to tell you the story of Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros. And we are getting into the thick of it. So um, just to reiterate, uh, like Fantasia, they're not narrative. But unlike Fantasia, they're a little more narrative. The first segment we see is Donald Duck in, uh, and I'm... I'm going to be an adult about this. I don't need to make fifth grade jokes. Uh, Donald Duck in Lake Titicaca. He observes the local customs as a shitty tourist, uh, such as getting altitude fever, gawking at locals, being gawked at by locals, property damage, and wacky hijinks. (laughs) Following this, the universally reviled Pedro the Mail Plane, which takes place in Chile. What sets it in Chile besides a brick shithouse mountain and five seconds of a condor? Hey, listen, don't worry about it. We promise it's in Chile. Once upon a time, there was a papa plane, a mama plane, a baby plane, and babies got to deliver the mail. Nobody cares. Except for Pipo, famous Chilean cartoonist who hates it so very much that he goes ahead and in response creates the most iconic Chilean character ever of all time, Condorito, a little anthropomorphic Andean condor who gets into all sorts of wacky adventures. I suppose you're wondering why I got off on this tangent, huh? It's because nobody cares about Pedro the Airplane. Even Pedro doesn't really care about himself. He's just like, fun, yeah. take me. I'm fall like, into yeah, oblivion. Whatever. Especially once like, he delivers the mail and it's like, wish you were here postcard that was meant to be such a funny like punchline payoff oh, isn't that great? but it just it just like you know it's some kinda, mail it's, isn't it's, important it's kind of the mood of 2020 honestly it's just like all this work all this effort and you're you're not even you're not even liking it you're just like dreading the entire experience and then at the very end it's just like oh well God, i feel that this is just you just sit in silence for a few minutes, just staring down at this postcard. Mm-hmm. Not well, even funny. Let's uh, let's fly away from Pedro the airplane for a minute, all the way to the Pampas of Argentina, where we see our standard Goofy explains a thing style cartoon, mm-hmm. where the thing Goofy explains this time is the similarity between the Argentinian gaucho and the American cowboy. 
Watch him get dressed. Be outsmarted by the worst-looking horse ever. <laughs> Wrangle an ostrich. That's have a the best-looking, have best-looking barbecue I've ever seen, and perform traditional folk dances with his horse. This is my second favorite skit, uh, right above Lake Titicaca, which is not in Nicaragua. Sorry, Beavis. That's it. That's my one Titicaca joke. Mm. It's a Beavis and Butthead joke. I. Okay. For all you that this one goes out to all you Beavis and Butthead fans out there. <laughs> we love this you. We see out. you and we we know you and we love you. When you were upset when Beavis said, I am from Lake Titicaca in Nicaragua, and you knew that Lake Titicaca was not in Nicaragua, we heard you and we wanted to bring it to the front. Mm-hmm. Now now let's not say Lake Titicaca anymore because I don't trust you to not just start laughing like a preschooler. I will not laugh like a... Listen, I only laughed like a preschooler at one thing, and I'm still laughing at it. Okay. (laughs) Finally, we're exposed to probably the best Disney short we've ever seen yet. It's the fullest realization of pure fantasy unfolding to music, and I like it more than any Fantasia segment. Ooh. We see exactly what the title promises us. Aquarela do Brasil. A watercolor of Brazil being formed right in front of our eyes. We see the landscape, the rivers, the ocean, the jungles, the city, and people spring forth from the brush. We see the creation of Jose or Jose Carioca, who politely introduces himself to Donald Duck, taking him out on the town. There, he gets him absolutely toasted in order to teach him about the rhythm of the samba. And we see the paintbrush return to literally use their revelry to paint the samba into existence. It's gorgeous. This is my favorite segment in the whole film. And if I could, I would make just Aquarela do Brasil Brasil my number one Disney film so far. Unfortunately, that's not how this works. But just know that in my heart, right above Fantasia is Aquarela do Brasil, just the one segment. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, I was looking at it at um, the like the critical reviews and stuff, and I think people were saying that if like they they were tempted to release Aquarela do Brasil as just one like like a segment in itself, but they knew they couldn't because if they released it alone and then had all the other segments together, then the other segments wouldn't do nearly as well. Like they would tank. Like they they admitted right. that if they were just to do Aquarela do Brazil, like just on its on its own, then it would just be like the other. Yeah, nobody would. Yeah, nobody, nobody would, care. would care. Yeah, because that oh that's how God. good it is. That's like they literally like the marketing team knew they were like this is this is another level. Like seriously, like if you haven't seen it, please. Go on YouTube, go somewhere and watch it because it's so Please freaking good. Please watch Aquarela yeah. del Brazil. We're begging you. Yeah, it's so we'll pretty. I, I After we finish recording this, I'm probably going to go watch it again because I love it so much. Anyway, yeah, go on. Yes. From there, we move on uh, from Saludos Amigos to the hey, Three Caballeros. good job. Anyway, go on. Yeah, this one, as you said, displays Donald getting some gifts from Jose. He sent uh, Donald a bunch of gifts, including a uh, home movie which displays two the first two segments the first segment is about a penguin named pablo 
narrated by Abby's very handsome boyfriend, the Bishonen Cheshire Cat. I mean, what? handsome Winnie what? the Pooh. I mean, I mean, Tumblr sexy man. Wait. Uh, no, no, oh, I mean. Your tongue was twirling all the way. I'm like, I am so I mean confused. The stork. <laughs> Mr. Stork. Look out for Mr. Yeah. Stork. Yeah, it's it's the voice of Mr. Stork. He's back. Uh, and he's telling about Pablo the Penguin. And he's a, he's a professor. He's, prof- yes, Professor... Holloway. Oh, his name escapes me right now. Holloway. Holloway. Sterling Holloway. Yeah. That's a great name, He's, Sterling Holloway. It's a great name for a great voice. He has a mm-hmm. great voice. That's your favorite voice so far, isn't it? Next to... No, I wouldn't say that. Your favorite yeah. voice is Jose Carioca. My, my, my favorite voice, yeah, I think my favorite voice is... um. Joe Carioca's voice actor. I don't remember what his name is, but I mean, I don't He's know. Good. I don't know. It's there's it's it's close. I like I like the voice acting going on in these segments. Except for yeah, the voices it. are so good. Except for Donald. And Duck. you'll notice you'll notice there's more credit to the voice actors than ever before. Yay! That's that union influence. Mm-hmm. Okay, go mm-hmm. on already. Going on. <clears throat> Uh, Pablo the penguin hates being cold, leaves Antarctica to go up the coast of Chile to the equator in order to find a tropical island to live on. Once again, narrowly avoiding having to actually show anything in Chile other than the names and some cartoon images of some cities. The next segment takes us back to Brazil and get comfy here in Brazil because apparently it's where all the stuff worth happening happens. And let me tell you, I am here for it. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to the birds of the Amazon two toucans, and of course, the Araquan bird, whose defining trait is that he's not Woody Woodpecker and he's not the Looney Tunes dodo. We promise he's not a current ripoff of currently popular wacky birds. We mm. we swear he's not Woody Woodpecker or the dodo. He's just, he's the, he's the Araquan, right? Mm. Sure. Right. I mean, it's not like they have to draw attention away from their competitors at Universal and Warner Brothers. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Don't be as ridiculous as the Ataquan. Right. Uh, this leads into the final tale on the tape uh, of the Gauchito and El Burrito. Burrito as in small burro, not burrito as in a delicious Tex-Mex treat. I knew you were going to... I was like, I'm not going to say anything because that's a dumb joke to make, but then I should have known that you were going to make that dumb joke. You should know that dumb jokes are my wheelhouse. I was like... Oh, no. I could just feel it. I could feel the chill of, I know Nate's going to make that stupid joke. You knew. <laughs> I'm so glad you know me so well that mm-hmm. I'm going to say the dumbest thing possible. Mm-hmm. I should have prevented it from happening somehow, some way. <laughs> you mm. just reach through the, reach through, reach across and punch me in the face? Yes. Oh, I would, yes. but I don't want to, like, hurt my back anymore. Yeah, I took full advantage of that to say the dumbest joke possible. Okay. It'll only, I only allow that once, but proceed. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. The full-grown full gaucho tells a rhyming story about how he wrangled, trained, and raced with a flying donkey when he was just a lad. Apparently racing a flying donkey is illegal, however, and he is forced to run away with his new friend, never to be seen again. The next gift Donald gets is a pop-up storybook containing a very tiny Jose Carioca. He's here, and he asks Donald if he's ever been to Bahia. And Donald says no. And Joe says, well, sucks to suck, I guess. He asks Mm. him this about four times, and then sings not just one whole-ass song about it, written by the same beautiful genius who wrote 
Aquarela do Brasil, Mr. Ari Barroso, but two whole-ass songs about it, praising Bahia over and over again. And then he asks him if he's ever been. And Donald says, have you ever been? And Joe says, no. And I literally can't even begin to do justice to how funny this is. It's it's, it's, it's excellent. <laughs> it's one of the best gags in both movies. Yeah. It's, it's right up there with, I thought it was a, a mountain. No, I thought it was a tree. Maybe yeah. it's a mountain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty great. <laughs> so naturally, they both go to Bahia and they engage in the first ever Disney Animation Studios interaction between live action and animation, featuring Carmen Miranda's sister. Donald and Joe compete for her attention because they're both into human women for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Eventually, this devolves into the opening scene of Mulholland Drive, a dance fight, and a Fleischer-esque wiggle dance extravaganza. In case you didn't notice, this is just about where it begins to go off the rails a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and let me let me clear let me go back just just to for for clarity's sake. But both both birds both both fellas are pursuing Yaya the 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 cookie lady. But like for some reason, like Karaoke, he, he is like doing it in a more kind of like sappy like sentimental sort of way and so for some reason it's just not like it's not weird to me it's more like what's his face um from uh Bert from from Mary Poppins where he's like kind of pursuing Mary Poppins but it's in more of a sweet way and not like a Mm -hmm. romantic situation way whereas Donald is full-on like rabid chasing after her like <clears throat> unsettling uh, you know what i'm saying feral just feral like absolutely feral like it's it, they're they're both pursuing her but in some ways like karaoke is like not doing it in like a creepy way even though it should be creepy it's just it's not i don't know yeah, he's 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 doing the he's doing it in this in the smooth way, you know. Yeah. He, he's comp he's like complimenting her outfit and talking about her makeup, you know, and everybody's getting comfortable in the situation. Whereas Donald's like, "Hey, baby!" It's like it's he's he's doing <laughs> you it as ass that won't quit. <laughs> well, and he's like Karaoke's doing it more in like a like a I don't know, like a, like an admirer sort of way, whereas Donald is like actively pursuing her, and it's just it's just weird. It's just it's so yeah. weird. I don't know why. Like, ugh, it's just not. We'll break down the psychology of it. It happens so many times that it like the first time it's not funny, but it's like okay, obligatory, you know, joke here. But then the the next like five times that it happens it just starts progressively getting like negative funny where it makes everything around it not funny <laughs> it's kind of uncomfortable and yeah it you know it it's it's uncomfortable in a funny way now but yeah uh <clears throat> i almost forgot to mention by the way uh speaking of uncomfortable um donald had to be shrunk down in order to fit into the pop-up storybook to go to Bahia. So he's got to inflate himself in order to get big again for his Stop. next present. Stop. <laughs> that's Stop. Not, that's not even the joke I was going to go for. Oh, okay. I was going to say, note to self, do not mention them using an offensive word that rhymes with fidget. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, but now that you mentioned inflation, but no. Oh, <laughs> anyways, the next awful. present they open up comes from Mexico, <laughs> oh my and we know this because it says extra big on the tag Mexico. Contained within is a cameo appearance from the soundtrack. And then, immediately after this, we are introduced to Panchito, a dandy rooster. He literally pops out, guns ablazing, screaming at the top of his lungs, welcoming them to Mexico. It is 43 minutes into the movie, and we've got the three caballeros together for the first time. Panchito leading them in their theme song. He's just like, we're best friends now, here's your free hat. And a song I wrote about how we're all best friends now. Except for when we're horny, and here's a piñata. Oh also, gosh. we're best friends now. What do you mean we're not best friends? You, we all have matching hats. This is... That's the energy of Panchito. That's that's what he gives off. Oy vey. The And the theme song literally details that. Like, we're all best friends. Except for when there's a girl involved. Then it's every man for himself. Mm-hmm. Literally. That's literal. It's just, just weird. Like, why... Just... Like, why? Just make, Stop like... Stop going after human women. <laughs> make, like... Yeah, make girl birds. And you Daisy know? Duck existed at this time. Oh my gosh. Don- freaking- Donald. Donald. Come, come Donald. now. We're very disappointed in you. Rise above your first name. <laughs> <laughs> um, before- <laughs> Okay, I'm just gonna- I'm just gonna gloss over that. <laughs> yep. Before we, uh, before they can bust the piñata, however, we have to learn the story of Los Posadas in an animatic. Time code 4635, we see the most terrifying illustration of a child I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) When we finally learn the tradition of children going door to door with Mary and Joseph being turned away each time, it's time for Jose and Panchito to bond over being a dick to Donald with the piñata. We get a whole song animatic about the founding and the sights of Mexico City, plus a live-action animation interaction uh, with a magic flying serape, which also leads us to learn a number of Mexican folk dances from Mexico City to Veracruz. Speaking of going from one place to another, you remember when I said they were best friends until they got horny? Well, they visit Acapulco, and they see a bunch of girls in swimsuits, and Donald gets mad feral. And now they've got to go catch him. And I wish this wasn't so uncomfortable to watch because it is gorgeous to watch. It's technically speaking the best interaction between animation and live action that we see in this movie. The blanket tug, the seesaw, the blanket tossing, the drop in the water. It's all great, gorgeous work. It looks incredible. And yet it has to be framed as Donald Duck is too horny to stop. It lasts like so uncomfortably long too like this is an entire scene that was planned out and executed seamlessly it took them probably a long time to set up each individual shot and throughout it all they have to remember oh yeah i'm being chased by donald duck chased by a cartoon duck who wants to grab me oh my gosh i'm being pursued by a an aroused cartoon duck. Oh, this who is a, who is a, wants to manhandle. Who is I don't a, like this. Who is a symbol who's apparently a, like a a children's a, animation 
icon. Mm. It's just, but yeah, yeah. They, they they've really improved on the Donald Duck prototype. Yeah, that's why that's why I all those parts of like Donald just that's like a good thirty five percent of the Three Caballeros movie is just Donald going absolutely mad feral for human women and chasing them around different parts of Mexico. Like that's and that's the, that's why I prefer. Saludos Amigos, even though it has like less narrative structure, I still, it's like, come on, <laughs> come on, guys. Yeah, but like the reason I prefer uh, Caballeros is because, like, in terms of like quality of production and quality of story, uh, they don't quite surpass, none of them surpass or get close to surpassing Aquarela do Brasil, but everything else drags. Three, uh, everything else drags Saludos down for me so much that like that boost in quality and that boost in cohesiveness just puts it a step above. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that um, the Lake Titicaca like Inca segment was that bad. It wasn't that, bad. I thought that um, was entertaining, and it's... I and I and I liked the I liked the the sections of like where it was the documentary of, like, the animators and then showing the sketches. I liked that a lot, too. Yeah, that's always interesting. Yeah, I wanted more of that. There's a whole documentary. You'd, you'd, probably, you'd probably like it. It's, it's really good. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, mm -hmm. Walt and El Grupo. And they, they show, like, all the background footage. In order to satiate Donald's uncontrollable <laughs> hunger... No! Uh... Joe and Panchito introduce him to a singing head suspended in space. Then Donald moves like a hummingbird through neon flowers, and the girl's head is in a flower. Then Jose and Panchito... You know, let's let's just say this is where it goes all the way off the rails. Let's just say that, because if I describe everything that happens next, I'm gonna go bananas. It, it's a real bruh moment, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like <laughs> trying to describe pink, elef pink elephants on parade. Where I, it's just <laughs> like full on psychedelic. We're we're gone. We're we're just we've departed. I will say this: there's a moment where Donald is a flower, and a harsh male voice whispers to him over and over, "Pretty girls, pretty girls." Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that actually happens. There's a very pretty cactus witch who casts a curse of stop being horny on Donald via traditional <laughs> style of dance. And I just need to, like, again, clarify for everyone, who, <laughs> all the five people who are listening, this is actually what happens. We're not embellishing anything or, like, trying to make it sound funny. This is legitimately beat for beat what happens. And there's more than what happens. There's a bullfighting fireworks sequence where, for some reason, Panchito begins doing semaphore flag signaling. It's And then it just ends. And then it just ends, and there's no explanation, there's no context. There's just Donald and his there's friends. There's just Don and the boys having their Disney peyote vision. So that's... So that's the story of Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros. Yeah. Um, it's... And production. 
yes. has a number of interesting things associated as well. Okay. Let me just let me just bomb through this one. Okie dokie. <clears throat> so let's go back to being honest about the production for a minute. It was a government scam. Uh, it was a government scam to send a goodwill mission down to South America, who was for the moment neutral in the whole war in Europe thing. Uh, being courted by Nazis who the U.S. government were only just now at this time starting to think, hmm, these sociopathic meth addicts could be a slightly unstable problem. <laughs> the U.S. has a track record of reacting way too late to the Nazis. But react they did when they found out Nazis were courting their neighbors to the south. John Q. government called up <clears throat> Walt Disney and asked him to go on a goodwill tour. And Disney rejected it, saying he wasn't the guy for the job, you know, he's not an ambassador. His brother, a Jim Q government, called up Uncle Walt and said, Congratulations, you've won an all-expense-paid trip to South America to meet exciting new people and get new ideas for a new movie that we're gonna fund, so long as it makes it look like Americans really love and want to get to know South Americans. Mm -hmm. Walt jumped on it faster than you can say, Get me away from my Union Blues. <laughs> What I think is kind of interesting about this is that the trip is displayed to us in reverse order, and also nearly in ascending order of effort. Donald Duck in Lake Titicaca is just your standard Donald Duck is a tourist short. Uh, Pedro the Mail Plane is probably the low point of creativity, since you could have done that in any other setting and had it work. Gaucho Goofy was fun and interesting. A lot of in effort seemed to go into the display of folk dances. Aquarela do Brasil on a whole nother level. I'm getting, I'm getting really into... Uh, opinion. So I'm just gonna, I, I digress. Uh, the important thing is what I'm trying to say is that the film goes from Peru, Bolivia, and Chile to Argentina to Brazil. When the voyage of the artists went from Brazil to Argentina to Chile, Bolivia, and Peru. Hmm. Uh, fun little production fact about Chile and the reception of Pedro the Mailplane. It was despised there. Like you said about how uh, people reacted to Goofy being just in um, in a gaucho costume. Mm -hmm. Chile didn't even get that. Yeah. They didn't have a visit from Donald or Goofy. They didn't have their own fun character. They got a mail plane that delivers the mail. Yep. And one cartoonist that I mentioned, Mr. René Rios Boediger. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. I'm very sorry. But... He, I'll, so I'll just call him the way he called himself, his pen name, Pipo. Uh, he created the most iconic Chilean character of all time. Uh, Condorito. He's very popular. Even from 49 onwards, he's still very popular. I think he got a movie last year. Aw, good for him. Yeah. So it's also important to mention that in the 40s, the Nazi presence was a apparently incredibly strong in Chile, which may or may not have contributed to why the party diverged up to Lake Titicaca uh, and got some footage for a Donald Duck thing. You know, originally it was just supposed to be, the government outlined, we want you to go to the ABC countries. We want you to go to Argentina, Brazil, and Chile. Mm -hmm. So Titicaca was an afterthought. Okay. But it wound up being a really good short. Yeah. It, it actually, so, it was, it was very, like, very, like, full of character, I guess. And I was, I was, like, just waiting for there to be, like, okay, what's, 
how, how what insulting thing are they going to do? <laughs> like what right. what oblivious insulting thing are they going to do? And it wasn't it wasn't like as far as it, it goes, it wasn't like and this is just from my perspective. But as far as it goes, it wasn't like that bad. It was mm-hmm. it 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 was effective in that it got me interested in, you know, seeing the culture from like alternate perspectives as well as pr- my own perspective. You know, I'd love to, you know, see what I think of Chile. Yeah. I'd love to see what I think of uh Lake Titicaca. I'd love to see what I think of Argentina. Yeah. It I don't even need to say that I'd love to see Brazil because I would love to see I would love to go to Rio. I would love to go to Bahia. By the way, have you been to Bahia? Uh no. No? Well, let's go. Okay. Well, we can't cuz there's a also. pandemic going on. Right. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. So instead, I'll just give you a rundown of all the people that went with Walt on this trip down south. How many uh, How many people are on this list? There are 16 names on the list. Wow. Uh, some of them had their careers take off like a rocket. Others kind of fizzled and blew up later. And others just had some weird stuff going on. But these are the ones that left with him. And so they they were like solidified in his good graces. Because there's no way... like. There's no way he could get rid of them. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that not only stuck with him through the strike, they stuck with him through a trip down to uh, South America. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm going to get through these. There's Walt Disney, licensed party clown and registered voter, lover of America and art and all things wholesome, who basically went down on this trip to get away from that whole unionization drama. Okay. His wife. Lillian Disney, whom still worked in ink and paint. William Harry Dennis Cottrell Jr., or Bill Cottrell to his friends, who worked in story and animation direction. Also would become president of a design and development company, but that's a special mouse couture that'll help us later. Hazel B. Cottrell, his wife and sister to Lillian Disney. Real family affair going on. Uh, it's important to mention that th- this time nobody's kids came along. This trip lasted months. Oh my gosh. Janet Landsberg, publicist to the whole gang, and her husband, Larry Muzzy Landsberg, who they handed a camera to and basically told him, just make sure you get all this. A lot of husband and wife duos so far, real pattern. Mm-hmm. Frank Thomas, who was, of course, Frank <laughs> Thomas. What I mean by that is he's one of the most prolific animators in Disney history. Typically working on a team with Ollie Johnson. Ollie was not on this trip. I will talk about both of them later together sometime. Okay. Mary Blair, who was, of course, Mary (laughs) Blair. What I mean by that is that she's one of Walt's favorite artists ever, of all time, who has played an integral role in several upcoming feature films. Hear more about her in a spotlight when we do Alice in Wonderland. Also, I just think she's gorgeous. Like, every picture I see of her, she's gorgeous in such an unconventional way. She's very interesting to look at. She's fashionable, upbeat, angular, very interesting. I think maybe I'm a little bit in love with Mary Blair. Yes. Okay, please go on. Who wouldn't be? Uh, Mary Blair's husband, Lee Everett Blair, who was another one of Walt's preferred sketch artists and concept artists, won a gold medal in 1932 at the Olympic Games. Oh. They had a division, They, I, I'm not making this up, in the 1932 Olympic Games, they had a division specifically for art for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and he won the gold medal in art. Interesting. Uh, they, should, they should do that every year. Members of the Olympic Committee bring back the Olympic art portions. 
Uh, Herbert Dickens Ryman, special boy, special artist, stayed friends with Walt. In fact, he would sketch out a project for Walt only a few short years from now, hand-in-hand with Bill Cottrell, but that's a mouse couture, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Charles Wolcott, musical composer and director who would stay with the company until the 50s and only stay with America until 1963 when he would, and I shit you not, move to Israel and serve on the inaugural set of seats for the Universal House of Justice for the Baha'i Faith. He was in charge of the soundtrack to Song of the South, and he was one of the first people to decide on the laws and regulations for a whole religion. Wow. Let's hope he chose. (laughs) Let's hope he learned. Let's hope he learned. Hope he learned. (laughs) So... William Norman Ferguson, or Norm, or Fergie, or F to the E, R, G to I, the E. Okay. (laughs) Big popular animator, did a lot of work in shorts and on Snow White. Selected director of Saludos Amigos. And we also had James Bordrero, who was the character designer who designed Dumbo. And we had John Parr Miller, who was a writer who went on to write a few little golden books. Uh, Specifically, he wrote The Little Red Hen. Ted Sears, another story guy who was hired away from competitor Fleischer Studios. And last but not least, Join Webb Smith, who is credited as being the first person to have invented the modern-day storyboard. He was the first guy to do rough sketches and pin them to a board to plan out a story beat by beat. Hmm. So we got some great people. That's some great people. Basically, uh... What you heard was an entire mini studio of story folks and artists and musicians that were following around Uncle Walt. And they got a lot of the pre-production of the film knocked out of the park on location in Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Peru, and in the plane ride over Chile. Where did, when did we visit Uruguay? Uh, Uruguay and Peru are where Lake Titicaca reside. That's, isn't that Peru and Bolivia? I thought it was... I thought it was Peru and you maybe it's I will figure this out eventually. I was like I was like wait a second when did we go to Uruguay? I always nope. thought Lake Titicaca it's was straddling uh, the border between Peru and Bolivia in the Andes. Welp. Well. Much much like the roe deer I have learned something <laughs> about my something that I learned. We have learned something about something about something. Uh. Anyways, uh, that's anyway. where they all had their strongest ideas. That's where they were surrounded by all the appropriate influences. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep, like, twisting <laughs> it's, the it's knife. Fine. But, like, it's, like, on the opposite side of South America from Lake Titicaca. I'm not a smart man. It's, like, well, maybe not on the opposite side, but, like, it's, like, Lake Titicaca... Uh, is on the edge of Peru, which is on the, like, western side, like, near the western coast, and then Uruguay is the eastern coast. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Mmm, boy, it's I a, sure do love... It's a big lake. <laughs> it's a big-ass lake. <laughs> just a giant, just hole in the center of South America, and it's just all Lake Titicaca. Yeah. With narrow with narrow bands of land on either side. Every every time, <laughs> so it's technically a lake. Every time, n- n- like somebody laughs at the name Lake Titicaca, it becomes a little bit bigger. 
that's exactly what happens. Yeah. So at this point, it's it's all all encompassing. Um, so let me just let me continue with that then. Okay. Anyway, so we go can get on. away from my failure. Go on. I was like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but yes, go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to so, draw attention to your geography blunders. I don't know maps. Okay, it's okay. They they had their strongest ideas down there. They were surrounded by all the appropriate influences. And from what you can tell of concept sketches, they had something pretty rock solid. However, when they got back to the United States to finish up, they were met with a whole different kind of studio. Uh, firstly, the climate was different because now you had the people Walt didn't trust, the strikers, and the people Walt trusted his loyalists. And that's the first division. Secondly... Of those loyalists, you had folks that didn't go on the trip and didn't get immersed in the culture versus those who did go on the trip and did get immersed. So that's the second division. These divisions really cut in because Walt would regularly shoot down and just wait to legally let go his strikers. And the ones who didn't get the culture wanted to just inject a bunch of standard, typical Disney American gags into the picture, which wouldn't particularly fit or fly. Compromises were made, and for that reason, we get a lot of little tiny changes to depictions that we might not have gotten if it were just outright made on location. Now, I've spent a lot of time talking about the production of Saludos Amigos, particularly because that production bleeds over into much of the Three Caballeros. Uh, in 1942, shortly after the release of Saludos, Walt called up Mary Blair and a group of others to take a similar Goodwill inspiration trip down to Mexico. This trip isn't as well-researched, uh, historically, as the Goodwill tour to South America. So all I could tell you about the crew is what I told you, Mary Blair and some others. What I do know is that the tour was not only comprehensive enough to fill the second half of the next feature-length film, it was also enough to earn Walt Disney the Order of the Aztec Eagle in 43. Mexico's highest honor that could be awarded to a foreigner. What did he do to get that, though? It was like a... Just, just be there? More so that his presence there was specifically to create a goodwill feature that, like, these, like, as much as I call them government scams, what they are are also goodwill features that attempt to bridge the gap culturally between North America and South America so that we can feel like we understand each other a little bit more. And, you know, they can, they down there can understand how we see them and what we need to be corrected on. And we up here mm -hmm. can feel like we understand a little bit more, you know, the similarities well, between cultures. Well, yeah, like that's, that's, that's like what I was saying before about how, like with critics, um, from what I from what I research now, of course, there could be a whole other branch of things that I have no idea about. But um, from what I researched, it was like the execution may have been kind of wonky, but the like in general, like Disney's like genuine, like he kind of produced kind of like the genuine article of like wanting to yeah. have an authentic authentic portrayal of of these cultures or at least some of the cultures yes the intent was there that's and the intent is what was so important to this and that's yeah that intent was so strong and pure apparently that you know they were like hey let's give him a let's give him a medal 
Mary Blair also went on a third trip to gather information for a third installment of these Goodwill films. This one was called Cuban Carnival, and she knocked out plenty of concept art for it, but tragically it never got made on account of most of the creative talents of the studio being focused heavily towards propaganda at the time, because now we're in the thick of World War II. So this third installment gets shelved forever. That's sad. Yeah, well, it would have introduced a character called Miguelito, who allegedly would have been a cockfighter and a plantation owner. So maybe we dodged oh, a bullet. Oh, maybe, yeah. Wait, yeah. Like, hmm, okay. It would have been another... Especially, especially uns- like, it's, like, unsettling, but also, like, you mean he's, like... Like a fighting rooster or like a person who owns fighting roosters? He is a rooster who does fight. Um, oh, but he also is. It's like, wow. I'm almost, I'm almost impressed at how many like insulting things are wrapped into one character. I'm willing to believe that if this hadn't been shelved, it would have been workshopped and made into a much more, you know, appropriate character. But the fact that that was the origin. Yeah. Well, if we look at the origin of any of these characters, I'm certain there's probably something terrible there. Uh, Maybe not like terrible, terrible. Not as terrible as... Plantation owner. A plantation owner who does like cockfighting. Like that's... Yeah, that's a little... That's its own special brand. Yeah. So... Like making Goofy a freaking like... A dogfighting champion. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> who is like, who is like a, you know. Like a prize know, boxer. Like, yeah. No, like specifically a dogfighting. <laughs> no, yeah. Like change him from whatever dog he is yeah. to a prize boxer. Oh, I thought you meant boxer like. <laughs> it's a, it's a, like, it's a double. It's, it's a, a double. It's a, it's a double. And then I, and then I was gonna say, well, what's the North American version of like a plantation owner? I'm like, wait, plantation owner. <laughs> That's the. <laughs> That's the North American version is just the same thing because yeah. this is where we live. This is our reality. Okay. Anyway, um, yes. that's bad. So I'm glad that that didn't get made. Right. Um, and another difference between Saludos, uh, just just to move on, So because I've got one paragraph left. It really is every other time that you say that, that you pronounce it incorrectly. Right? I told you. It's like one for one. Okay. Anyway, go on. One last thing about Saludos. Another difference between Saludos and Caballeros is the use of live action footage. While Saludos contained uh, live action documentary style footage, Caballeros became the first ever Walt Disney feature film to portray characters physically interacting with live action figures. It's important to remember, however, that this isn't the first time animation and live action have interacted in this way. The first example is technically a silent short from 1900 called The Enchanted Drawing. Damn. It's also important to know that this isn't even the first time Walt Disney uh, had animated characters physically interacting with live action figures. Hmm. In the early 20s, Walt owned a smaller animation company called Laughogram. And when it was just about to go under, he came up with a series called The Alice Comedies, based very, very, very loosely on Alice in Wonderland by putting a live-action girl into a world with animated characters. And they're, they're mostly silent. They're very cute. You can find a few of them on YouTube. Some of them are kind of racist. It was the 20s. 
<laughs> I don't even want to ask what flavor of racist because I just I I'd like to just watch and find out. Just it's like learn. A fun, it's a fun, fun little surprise. It's a it's it's fun and unpleasant, so it's fun pleasant. <laughs> it's a wonder ball of it's a, amazing terrible things. It's a fun pleasant wonder ball. Okay. Anyway, go on. No, that's it. That's uh, that's, that's it. everything about production that I thought was very interesting. Cool. I mean, it, this was already this is always going to be more like production heavy of an episode than source material heavy because there's just that's just the nature of things. Yeah. It's just, just the, the nature of things. It's probably going to be like next episode. It's probably going to be way more source material heavy because there's a lot of source material. Yeah, and I'm probably going to be really reaching for production because yeah. like this is this is where they go on a shoestring budget. Oh, we're going to be Freaky Friday then. You're going to be the one in the hot seat having the existential dread trying oh. to figure out what the hell you're going to talk about. And oh, I'm going to be the one no. riding high. Yes. Oh, Abby takes the lead on the places. next two episodes. <laughs> so, what's your what's your take on Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros? All right, um, I'm gonna hit you with my OOC observation, okay. opinion, crackpot theory. Okay. Uh, my observation: <clears throat> If you were to hypothetically humanize the Three Caballeros. The characterization uh -oh. would be as followed. Oh my goodness gracious. Donald Duck would be your standard uh, Sundare. Okay. This is a character archetype you see in a character like Inuyasha from Inuyasha. I, you told me you were going to reference Inuyasha, but... I really did. Uh, Jose Carioca would be what is referred to as an Ikemen. Now, that's... Wow, you really, you really are like going full throttle on this i, I thought you really were gonna am. be like more more mainstream describing this you're going as full on you're going full on otaku like listen just I spend a lot of time off. on tv tropes for this F uh kitsune mask off <laughs> <laughs> you've unveiled my jutsu <laughs> you've triggered my trap card <laughs> Ha! This isn't even my final form! Oh my gosh. Yeah, I want Ikemen. you to know that the Ikemen is different from the Bishonen, who is oh just like a gosh. standard pretty boy, uh, by being gonna... a more a more masculine, handsome pretty boy. Uh, kind of really like... I really hate this. Kiyoya from Oran High School. Oh my gosh. Okay. He's the Ikemen. Okay. Now, the last one, Panchito, is... Um, he more represents the uh, Genki girl stereotype. <laughs> There's there are a few there are a few male examples of this. Um, I thought that I thought that the worst of like the worst of it was last episode whenever you showed me the fan art that you had people make. No, this but is this is somehow even though there's no visuals to go with it, this is somehow worse. Actually, no, no visuals that I know of. It's because I'm radiating secondhand embarrassment. Yes, I think so. But you're, you're so embarrassed for it. me, but I am brash and brave and unafraid. I'm just very... I haven't been I'm... to an anime convention in two years, and I am so pent up. Oh, yikes. Okay, I need to well, be embarrassing your... in public. This is your outlet, I guess. This is my wheelhouse. You... This is your wheel. Okay, go on, please. 
Yes, Panchito would be the uh, Genki guy or Genki girl. Uh, it's typically a, a girl character like Tomo from Azumanga Daio. There are there are male equivalents. Sure. The only the only male equivalent character I can come up with though is maybe Honey from Oran or professional wrestler Mark Andrews because I haven't made a professional wrestling reference this entire podcast. Yeah. Also, I can't. Th- I don't. Okay, make no mistake, this is not going to become a platform for anime discourse, and it will never be a platform for anime discourse, but I don't think I have the capability to imagine Punchito as a... Hyperactive anime boy? Yeah. Yeah. There's no... That that one was a stretch. I mean, it's the only one that he comes close to fitting in. Even Donald I, isn't really a sundere. I would disagree. I don't know. He'd be like the main character from Haikyuu. Like the, I'm going to give it 110% and I'm like... I, can, I don't know. I, we're not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're, okay. we're just going on. We're going on. Well, we're going on to my opinion. Okay. <clears throat> My opinion, uh, I'll start with sal- Saludos. Uh, saludos, they tried to universalize experiences and show how we North Americans are similar to South Americans while highlighting the uniqueness. They succeeded in Goofy the Gaucho, mostly. They succeeded in Aquarela do Brasil, nailed it out of the park. They succeeded in Lake Titicaca. Uh, they failed abysmally in Pedro the Airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, though, they succeeded in highlighting touches of the South American culture and cultivating an interest in it because like in multi- in in each each individual culture within Latin America. Exactly. I wanted to know first of all they they succeeded even in Pedro the airplane because I want to know anything about Chile. Like I I learned nothing and so I have to if I want to learn anything about it I have to actually go out and like look at a book you know I can't say like oh yeah I learned a little bit from you know Goofy yeah. the Gaucho you know no they're making me work for it there It's true it's And I'm actually interested in it Mhm It's true So opinion on 3 Caballeros Lots of people will say that Saludos was the prototype for Caballeros and it feels right to say. Aquarela was my favorite short of all, but the sum total quality of Avas Raras, of Bahia, the Brazil skits, uh, the Mexico skits. By the way, have you been to Bahia? I'm not going to answer that. The sum total of the quality of those skits are undeniable. Less was lost in translation and more was gained in the live action. Uh, just me personally, I think that, you know, by putting these characters into the culture, I'm not talking about like the Donald Duck wolf chases. We're completely glossing over Donald Duck witnessing folk dances, which were really well done. I thought they were really respectful and they were very, they were much, they were much more well shot. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the photography was much better because, like, it was done in a studio. It was done with set cameras. And it wasn't done with just some guy holding the camera walking around. Yeah. So I, I feel like I got a more impressive look at the folk dances. I feel like I got a more impressive look at the uh, physical representation of the culture and the area. 
Uh, well, I, I but I but I kind of liked I kind of liked the um that you know guy with the camcorder walking around though from Saludos because I I felt like that was a little bit more it felt more like we were getting a glimpse into like like here is like a celebration you know here is like a big like hoedown or whatever um and it was a little bit more genuine rather than doing it in a studio with lights and perfect setup and that felt more like manufactured i actually kind of liked even though the individual shots and the composition may be better in the caballeros one because it was more prepared and like set i liked the the setup in saludos because it felt more like we are we're traveling and this is just kind of like a casual fun thing that we're a part of i can understand and respect that wholeheartedly because there is a real sincere honesty to it you know i i love a good documentary i Mm -hmm. love a really good documentary um i just feel like this wasn't a good documentary but i don't feel like it was a bad documentary at the same time i feel like it was you you know when you take home footage of a trip and you watch it at home and you're like oh these are the places i went that's nice and it's it it feels nice it feels wholesome um mm-hmm. as opposed to say like watching a travel agency's like sweeping airplane shots of the area and professionally set up camera angles to make sure that they get every angle of the uh, carnival in brazil like that that would have been really cool what we get out of the carnival in brazil would have been really cool if it had been like a wide shot uh mm-hmm. but as it stands we were we had them like on the edge of the parade just watching people go by close up um i guess but i i agree it felt really honest and in that sense like it it felt more it felt more like something like i was sh- like i was sharing it with someone who i might have known on some level you know what i mm-hmm. mean yeah 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 i can see that yeah okay anyway go on uh yeah uh that's those are my opinions on uh saludos and caballeros so we are finally left with my crackpot theory it's not it's not much of one cuz i didn't have much to go on to create one Saludos Amigos is mostly documentary style, uh, and I believe because of that, Three Caballeros in the canon of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is an actual documentary on the beginning of human and tune relations. Interesting. Like, if you talked to, if you transported yourself into the world of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and you asked someone about, hey, what do you think about Saludos Amigos? They would have said, yeah, that was a very important documentary on how, uh, tunes could finally uh you know work in the same business as uh, humans and i was i'd be like that's crazy to say because i'm from a normal world mm-hmm. this is true yeah that's crazy that's a pretty so, cool crackpot theory thank you do you um, have one i do have one yes Ooh. uh let's see here so i only have one it's it's kind of lame but my crackpot theory is that it comes from the Three Caballeros movie, and it's that the cactus lady, because there's a song uh, near the end where it's like, it's really more like a dance se- sequence, I guess, where this lady who's like a cowboy sort of 
dressed up late. Not cowboy, cowgirl lady. I don't know. She's dressed in a sombrero and a really cute outfit. And she's dancing in the desert. And Donald keeps chasing after her because he does that. And she keeps slipping away from him. And he gets, you know, kind of messed with by some some cacti who come to life. Mm-hmm. And so my crackpot theory is that the cactus lady is actually a witch trying to misdirect Donald and run him in circles to punish him for chasing after her or just to get back at him for it. But he just won't quit. So she's basically making fun of him and running him in circles. Yeah. That's my that's my crackpot theory. I don't know if it's really like crackpot theory or m- more just like that's something that is happening. No, yeah, because when I, earlier in, in my description when I said uh, cactus witch, uh, I believe that was something that you told me immediately after watching mm-hmm. so yes. yeah no i it's definitely something i agree with she definitely has some magical power over cartoon cactuses mm-hmm. oh another thing that i wanted to say in the opinion part though it's just kind of like a, a fun fact i guess joe um when when they designed joe carioca he was designed as a sort of representation of brazil's spirit um, he's portrayed as bilingual, sophisticated, cultured, um, and he's set alongside our North American representative, which is the uncultured, immature Donald. Like I've said multiple times in this episode that, you know, Joe Carioca is superior to Donald in virtually every way. I'm not just saying that as like an opinion, though that is also my opinion, but it's like in the the like critical analyses that I've been reading about this, that's literally how he's being portrayed um, because it is like this, this was one of the uh, efforts of Disney to bridge the gap between North America and, um, and Latin American countries by providing a way for North Americans to see that um, Brazil and um, you know, Peru and Bolivia and, and um, Argentina, they're not just these like backwater hicks, basically. They're not these kind of uncultured, like immature, um, you know, bumpkins, pretty much. So basically, Donald Duck is supposed to be a superior version of Mickey Mouse. And then... Um, Joe was designed to be sort of a superior version of Donald. Not not version, but like superior to. Um, and so um, that's very important that Joe is, is sort of this socialite um, because it, it shows that he's sort of this urban, poised individual, which um, was, was very much a, a gesture of goodwill. Um, um, and also, which was my, my, my fun fact I haven't gotten to yet is Joe is also depicted as a malandro, which is a, a word for, it's basically like a carefree person who's able to move through life, making very little effort to get what he wants. Now it's sort of a conflicted identity because it's, it's an identity and a title that's a source of humor and good cheer in Brazil, but it's also a source of scorn and sometimes even hatred because it can be easily construed as a person who is lazy or like a vagabond. Um, the Milandro is often the subject of many samba lyrics and folk tales and other things, sort of 
sort of like a, a trickster of sorts, but without actively wanting to trick or hurt people. Uh, sort of like a like a, like a Bugs Bunny sort of thing, where Bugs Bunny doesn't want to actively trick anybody. He just kind of wants to move through life easily and kind of be laid back. Um, that's kind of what what a, to my knowledge, what a Melandro is representative of. On one hand, it's a positive thing because he's very easily romanticized in Brazilian culture, but then also, it's there's a negative too, where that's sort of a. A, a cause of scorn because they are lazy and they are they don't have much of a a drive to like work it's more just kind of like kicking yeah. back and and enjoying life no yeah i can i can see that i can see that being both a positive and a negative aspect of a person um especially kind of like um kind of like uh in english when you refer well, mostly british english i would suppose but when you refer to someone as a rake you know, they can, it can be, yeah. like, a playful thing to say, or it can be like, oh, he's a real rake. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like, um, I'm trying to think, like, in, yeah, I'm trying to think of, of another good example. Um, I mean, it's, it's really in a lot of our, like. I'd say Bugs Bunny this? is probably the best example, isn't he? Yeah, or like a, like a Flynn Rider type, oh, you know, yeah. where he's kind of, kind of just getting through life like and you see that with with karaoke with joe karaoke whenever he and donald are interacting with each other because he he kind of pokes fun at donald a little bit not ever in a bad way but like you know um he's things are so easy for for him and nothing ever seems to kind of frazzle him except for the adequan but yeah um, he he doesn't he doesn't like things that bother him and the adequan bothers everyone Yes, but yeah. So that's that's my other thing. Um, I think I have anything else that's significant about either of these. I mean, I oh. enjoyed them. I thought they were nice. Um, oh, I have one thing. So, like, so I don't know if you remember in the Snow White episode where you talked about the queen and you said she was twice as magical as anyone else in the kingdom. I may have mentioned that, yes. Um, so that time I disagreed with your math because twice of zero is still zero. But somehow <laughs> Joe Carioca is easily twice as magical as any of the other birds in this movie or in either of these movies. Right? He he uses, he says he uses like black magic, which is, eh, you know, but he's definitely very magical. He's also twice as uh, charismatic. He's twice as charismatic. This is true. Um, and then, oh, one thing that I really, really loved, I just wanted to say, is I just loved the involvement that the narrator has with the characters in the story. I just think it adds so much to the story, especially in, in Saludos Amigos, where he's just, like, this punny, like, I don't know, this this punny, tricksy narrator that loves to mess with Donald Duck. I just, I... Yeah, it I kind think, of tapped into that like childish glee. I think you'd really like the uh, old Donald Duck and Goofy shorts because that's literally where that narrator comes from. Yeah, like that's that was one of my favorite episodes of SpongeBob is whenever it's like the Krusty Krab uh, instructional video. Oh, that's yeah, that's a good one. That's just my. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know why. It's just it's just hilarious. Also, um, I really liked 
the little elements in the movies, like how they had the mate, um, not the mate cups, and and how they were sharing it, and like all the different clothing, and and all the, the fact that all of, like the visual words, it that they drew in the actual clips were all in Spanish or Portuguese, depending on whether or not they were in Brazil. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. I I thought that all those little elements were really really adorable um and they also were really awesome so like whenever they do the versions in spanish and in portuguese the they don't have to you know like if it it could easily have been created for brazilian and, and um like latin american audiences like children right because I you don't it, it premiered yeah. down there first yeah which actually was uh, also the case for Coco, which I thought was really cool. It uh, premiered in Mexico first before it premiered in America. Hmm. Oh. Oh, I just remembered a sad fact. What? Um, I, I didn't quite mention it uh, because it didn't really play in. But mm-hmm. um, thinking about premieres, I remember... Um, Walt Disney, in his trip to uh, Argentina, took a uh, little side trip to Montevideo, mm-hmm. which is in, I want to say it's in Uruguay. Okay. Uh, he went there as sort of like a little, like, you know, side trip. Uh, okay. That was where he attended the premiere of Fantasia in the uh, country. And he was told that he was going to be getting a little, a small reception. Uh, And as it turned out, like, all the children had been given the day off from school to come to the reception. And the ones that were in band performed, like, as one big giant orchestra. Uh, They performed the music from Snow White for him. Aww. Why is that sad? Because this is the year... Uh, and this is the exact time when Walt Disney gets the news that his father has passed away. Oh, that's really sad. And he spent some time with um, the press down there who mm-hmm. did, who he, they loved it. They loved him being there because he came specifically to visit. Uh, fun side fact, this coincides with a, a golf trip uh, from Bing Crosby. I believe it was Bing Crosby. Hmm. He he came down for a golf trip, and he, he didn't care about the people, he just came there to golf. So they, they didn't quite talk about him as much, but Walt Disney came there to see the people, and to be among the people. So they they really welcomed him, and when they found out about the news, they personally went to him and expressed their condolences. The entire staff of this one magazine that did a four-page spread on him. That's... That's very touching. Very sweet. That's very sweet. Um, so, yeah, that's that's all I have for these two movies. Um, I think all that's left is to uh, reveal our listing for them, I suppose. All right, so, um, so here is my ranking as it stands right now. Um, number one is still Bambi. Sorry. Mm. But Bambi. Um, Bambi's baby. Number two is Saludos Amigos. Because Ooh. I just thought it was short and sweet and I liked it. And um, yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't bothered by the, the lack of production quality. 
number three is Pinocchio. Number four is Fantasia. Five, The Three Caballeros. Six, Snow White. And then seven is Dumbo. No, yeah, that's pretty, um, that's a, sol- that's a solid looking list. Um, why put uh, Caballeros so far below Saludos? Uh, I just didn't enjoy it as much, I guess. Um, because I liked uh, Saludos, I liked the Peru segment, and I liked the Brazil segment. Um, I thought that it was original. Mm-hmm. and I tend to like the first of something more than the second of something, and I will always consider Three Caballeros to be the second of the two, like the kind of the sequel, the the, re- the second installment. Mm-hmm. And while Three Caballeros, I do think that they had a lot of beautiful things in it, I just lost interest once the... the like, I didn't care at all about Pablo the Penguin. I didn't... You know, I wasn't really invested in Panchito's character. I didn't really get a sense of what sort of character he had other than, hi, I'm loud and I like to shoot guns. Yeah. I'm going to show you Mexico. Like, I just feel like there could have been way more development of his character like there was with Joe. Like, it's clear Joe was very, like, lovingly crafted, yeah. you know, um, and Panchito is- just seemed like, hi, I'm your tour guide. He's just there. He's just there, and he's your new best friend. Yeah, yeah. And and also, I just didn't like... I, I guess I'm not just generally a huge fan of, like, the studio, like, song and dance sort of thing. I like the more documentary-style thing. I didn't I didn't really like um, Yaya's song. I didn't, I didn't enjoy I wish, it. I, I do wish I had un- understood Yaya's song. Yeah, like, I suppose that's on me for not knowing Portuguese, for not, or for not just like googling it because I'm sure it's somewhere on Google. Yeah, I should have googled it. I would have. Yeah. it would have been neat though to have like at the bottom of the screen. You know how they have the bouncing ball for like the sing-alongs. Yeah. Um, if they had had that in Portuguese and English, I would have liked that. That would have been that would have been interesting, but they didn't do it, so it's number five for me, and it's below Fantasia because. Fantasia just had more content. It really did, um, yeah. Just in general, and it felt more kind of thought out. And then Pinocchio is above Fantasia because I just, I don't know. I I thought the story was more compelling of a narrative. Than more Fantasia. heart, more quality, more of a, yeah, it is yeah. definitely. And they did more things. And that may change later i don't know but that's how it is right now and then saludos amigos because they did it and they did that's the fair. thing that's fair yep um i'm a little bit different for my list my top i've got fantasia number one of course mm-hmm. bambi number two of course mm-hmm. three caballeros saludos amigos pinocchio snow white and dumbo I think okay. I I really agonized, by the way, over Three Caballeros or Saludos Amigos, which one to put, like, in the number one. That's that's another, like, razor thin, you know? Mm-hmm. They're both, to be fair, they're both below Bambi because Bambi is probably the best Disney film we've seen so far. Yes. Uh, Fantasia is the most, am- in my opinion, most ambitious, most full of new and exciting things brilliance um 
Caballeros and Amigos fit really close to that, but mm-hmm. they don't quite get to it. Um, Amigos has that absolutely brilliant, um, absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant aquarella. Oh Brazil. my gosh. If you were going to say absolutely brilliant one more time, I was going to end the call. <laughs> no, rule of threes. Anyways, it was, yeah, um, like I said, Caballeros overall quality eclipses just just by a razor's edge eclipses that and you know i i'm always a sucker i'm literally every single time a sucker for live action and animation interacting so that really put it over the edge but what put those two above pinocchio for me i think was the intent of the cultural depiction uh Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i thought to myself what are the cultural depictions? Because cultural depiction is so importantly interwoven to Caballeros and Amigos. And it's not really interwoven to Pinocchio, but it is present and it is not great. Yeah. So Pinocchio is still my number five for now. Uh, because it's still, I I still stand by what I said. I think it should be in the Criterion Collection because of how insanely good the animation is and how that was tremendously ambitious Mm -hmm. uh and in a narrative way so that it's more easily consumable than say fantasia for like a layman audience but i really really genuinely think like stromboli grabs it by the ankles and drags drags it down yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, our next episode is, of course, as we said, going to be the double trouble of what was it? Fun and fancy free. Yes. And make mine music, which don't neither of those things sound like actual titles. I things. know, right? It's kind of, it's kind of. This is the this is the awkward this is the awkward middle child of Disney, and we're still only mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yes. Fun and fancy free. It sounds like a like a a female deodorant brand. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like yeah. It sounds like um. And then it make, sounds like m- a, make my make my music sounds like a like a leapfrog extension where you can like play little toy instruments. Make my music sounds like a, a an obscure drink in your local bar. Yes. It's it's fun. It's gonna be fun. I promise. Yeah. Uh, no. No. I know it's gonna be fun because I loved those two things growing up. I'm excited. I'm very excited because you're excited. And we're going to tear into that next time. Do you want to do it? Should I do it? I I don't know. Who did it last time? Um, I don't know. Who did it last time? I don't know. All right. We're going to do that next time. We dissect the mouse. Dissecting the mouse would like to thank the artists and editors who have been involved. Morgan. Eric, Silas, and Connor. Links to the artists and a bibliography of our sources can be found in the expanded credits. We would also like to thank the researchers, Abby and Nate. Nate would like to thank his library co-workers. As it is a review based on subjective opinion, Dissecting the Mouse is not intended to be a scholarly source. Thank you for listening.